Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to the Art Box, recorded in our beautiful Mesquite, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone of all ages. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, or on Facebook as Mesquite Fine Art Center, also on Facebook, The Art Box. Good morning. It's Thursday, February 2nd, after breakfast. Steve and I have quite a schedule today, but it was difficult to decide. There is so much going on here. All kinds of workshops, including how to cook like a cowboy, how to make hats, how to tie ropes, dancing workshops, music, poetry. We're looking forward to the keynote address, which is by Joe Harjo who's the first Native American U.S. Poet Laureate. 9.30 to 10.30. That is the one really large auditorium. And then we've got just the whole day, and it spans from um, there's always something going on at the Western Folklife Center, something going on at the Elko Convention Center, and there's always something going on at the Elko Conference Center. Can I say one thing really honest? I love our press passes. Oh my <laughs> gosh, we can go into anything we want. And not only that, but we're like big shots. We can grab these performers and ask them to interview with us. And most everybody's been really, really nice to us. Yeah, and besides the press passes, Linda, we have our own press room. I really enjoyed the keynote speaker, didn't you, Steve? It was really good. Joy Harlow from Tulsa, Oklahoma, has written nine books. She recited her poem, She Had Some Horses. It was quite phenomenal, wasn't it? One of the things I liked about it is that we start off already with the keynote that we're getting a Native American right in there. This isn't John Wayne's Cowboys. This is a heartfelt people who live that West. Exactly. And she talked a lot about mapping and the mapping of the land and, and the mapping of her poetry and the mapping of the ancestors and how all of that affected not only her, but other Native Americans. It was very good. Yes, it was. Pretty good keynote address, huh, Linda? Oh, it was fantastic. Quite a crowd. You know what, Steve? At the keynote address, everybody was so excited. And I've been hearing this for the past couple days. They are so excited that they are finally having another Cowboy Poetry Festival. They've been shut down because of COVID for two years. It's just fun to see everybody having such a great time and so happy to be here. Yeah, that was certainly the prevailing thought, that they were very happy to be back. Right. And they, they said it numerous times. We'll hang on a little bit, and we will go 6-3 Bar Theater and watch Waddy Mitchell. The 6-3 Bar Theater is right off of the 6-3 Bar, and it's good size. Waddy is royalty, huh? 
He is. And you know, that bar is historic. It's just beautiful. And before I go, I want to have a drink there, Steve. You think we can work that in? I, I think we can. Now, you know that from what I heard, you pay for the drinks because it's all part of the nonprofit. Right. But the bartenders don't get a tip. The tip, the tip jar is, all the tip jar money goes to the Western Folklife Center. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, the nonprofit. And you know, one thing we haven't talked about is that it's really easy to get around here. And you don't... Yet there's always a place to park. You don't have to worry about finding a place to park and walking a long distance. And I've noticed there's several good restaurants right next to the different venues. And they also have food trucks out. Yeah, they do. We'll have to try all. We will. Now, I think we got our eye on for lunch, or maybe it's for dinner today. Uh, there's a little restaurant across the street from the Western Folklife Center, and it's called... Coffee Cup Cafe? Coffee Cup Cafe, I think. We'll go over there. We'll let everybody know. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Waddy Mitchell was pretty good, huh? Oh, he was fantastic. And so kind to talk with us. Yeah. Here's our Waddy Mitchell interview coming right up. Welcome to the Art Box. Linda, how are you doing? I'm so pumped. Look yeah. who our guest is. <laughs> yeah. It's a great... Well, you can say your own name. I didn't know I'd have to say my own name. <laughs> I didn't practice it. But you practiced three, two, one. Mm-hmm. So we, we have Wadi Mitchell here with us, who is a, well, you started this 38 years ago. I can't say I started it. There was a guy named Hal Cannon, and we got acquainted. He was a folklorist, and he came to me and asked me if I thought this might work. I had no idea. I'd never even been to a festival or anything before. But he said he could bring some of my friends to here for a weekend. And I thought, oh, we can have a party. <laughs> but it, it, it worked. The people had no idea what they were coming to. But there's something about rural people telling their story and with their dry wit and their, their uh, realism in, in their stories that uh, just made people, the press came. New York Times and San Francisco Chronicle and just a whole bunch, People Magazine. They came and, and they went, this is good stuff. I asked the guys from People one time, I said, what do you think when they were going to send you to the middle of nowhere in the middle of the winter <laughs> to hear cowboys spew poetic? They said, uh, you know, last year they sent us to the National Cow Chip Throwing Contest. <laughs> And we kind of figured it because we got to have little two-inch things uh, to fill our, our magazine. They gave us two and a half pages. They, it just blew them away. It became, uh, it, it became a, a, a quest and a, and a journey for, for people, a must for them. And they don't have to be themselves here. They can come to this poetry gathering. They can uh, just absolutely become good about everything have no ill will towards anybody everything's great they sit and they listen it's a wonderful deal everybody's got a smile plastered on their face so it's just great yes nevada is a great place to have it you know they know they've gone somewhere by the time they get to elko yes (laughs) and it's easy for them to think about it is going back in time a simpler time, a friendlier time. There, everything in Elko, of course, becomes the cowboy poetry gathering. So the restaurants are great. And by the way, if you guys haven't eaten at the Star, 
you got to eat at the Star. It's a Basque restaurant ah. that is world famous. It, if, if you like meat, if you like meat, if you're a, a vegetarian, don't do it because they got one kind of salad. <laughs> but yeah, we've got uh, restaurants all over town. They, they built motel after motel after motel because of the, the mining we have going on here. And all these guys come out and they haven't been here long enough to purchase a house and thing. So they stay in these and they keep their motel rooms pretty full. They kick everybody out during the poetry gathering. <laughs> okay. All mining stops. <laughs> All mining stops, and everybody just puts their boots on. Now, you grew up in Nevada, right? I was born right here in Elko and oh, in Elko. Grew, grew up uh, on a ranch just 60 miles from Elko, quite remote. It was 30 miles of dirt road and 13 miles to the nearest neighbor. We lived out without power. Because the ranch was built back in the day, everything was fixed up to do without power. So we didn't so we didn't really miss it. When you say you lived without power, the only thing Americans have to do is when the when the electricity goes out in their townhouse, you know, they don't have water, they don't just all this stuff, but we didn't need it, didn't miss it. How large of a ranch did you have? It was just a little family ranch. Okay. Uh, I didn't have it, my dad did. Uh, it was a lot of acreage. It was lots of acreage. It's 48,000 acres, not that many cows. And what makes you figure out your numbers is how much hay you can put up. And we just didn't have the hay ground. So where'd you go to school at? Right here in Elko, when I come to high school. Okay. Uh, Jigs, which is just a little one. Well, it's got a bar. It's got a one-room schoolhouse, and it's got kind of a community hall where the dances are held, and okay. that's it. Did you travel from the ranch to Elko? Uh, I did as much as I could, but in the wintertime, I had to board in town, and that's, okay. that made me not like school or town. I went off in Buckarood when I was 16, and that's the last I saw of school. So you buckaroo, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I said buckaroo in the verb sense. I buckarooed, mm -hmm. which is commonly used. But the proper noun, if you're going to talk to, about somebody, he was a buckaroo. Right. It's a uh, big outfit, still some pull out the chuck wagon, and that's what drew me. I just absolutely loved it. Uh, huge outfits pull out in the early spring and not come back in till the fall. How'd you get started with cowboy poetry? Cowboy poetry was given to me. As a kid, we, like I said, we didn't have power, so I didn't have TV to watch, and we had darn poor radio, but Dad had men hired. And because we lived like we did, we were expected to entertain each other. When I was just a kid, of course, I couldn't get on in on that, but every once in a while, a cowboy would would uh, recite a poem to me. Tying knots in the devil's tail, uh, the cremation of Sam McGee, uh, Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, Casey at the Bat, oh, it just goes on and on. And that was my Dr. Seuss, that was my storytelling, and I absolutely fell in love with that and said, that's what I want to do. Steve and I were fortunate to catch your show a little earlier today. And it was just fantastic, wasn't it? He's a great storyteller. Yes, a great storyteller. And you, know, you went from laughs to tears. You know, there were some good heartfelt. Is there about the veteran? I really like that. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't seem to get through to us. It 
touches our heart now, but do we go home and say, to the government should do it. The government sent those soldiers over there, and the government should doggone sure take care of them before they do all the border crossers, all the, you know, we we don't take care of our veterans. We don't care, take care of anything. Um, no, we don't. And actually, my wife and I were having that conversation the other day. There was... Um, Tunnel to Towers, we were watching the Tunnel to Towers commercial. It's like, why does this have to happen? If you went over there and lost your leg defending our country, why aren't we taking care of you? You know, it, it just kills me when, when you see things like the Wounded Warrior Projects and all that stuff. It's, it's placed upon us after we make sure that we send enough money in to take care of them. Yeah. And they shouldn't spend money on stuff until... The the elderly are taken care of, but mostly the elderly vets or crippled vets, wounded. And I didn't mean to get us on a, but right. it's it, but it's an important it's an important topic. We can laugh and we can have fun, but there's those of us who can't laugh and have fun. That's right. That's right. So, and I, I appreciated that that poem. You know, I love mesquite. <laughs> Do you? you guys you guys really have it made down there i know it's probably got all the things that elko has but uh well doesn't mesquite have the good Nevada. restaurants that elko has well no, no. oh i better i better but cut that out you're not near fired. as close to good restaurants as you are here but you're not near as far as as it is to get here yeah that's true that's true <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so you visited Mesquite before? Oh, you, you can't help it if you go that way. Yeah. I had a son that that uh, lived down in Pioche for a long time, and so I kind of would like to go that way sometimes and come around the other way. So why do you write your own poems, correct? Uh, and some you write and some are other poems that you recite? I just think it's very important for us to remember those great poems that entertain people generation after generation, and we don't want to lose it just because we've got all this fancy electronics. Right. There, you can watch a movie, and Steven Spielberg can put on that screen dinosaurs that could come right after you, totally alive. He can do, you can do something, but watching it, you're a voyeur where when you're telling a story and you have somebody up there live, it's not going from from the storyteller to the ear and down, which most things do, but it's going from the storyteller right to the heart. And that's something that they'll never recreate again as important as the human element of entertainment. That's why you can get people like Garth Brooks they can hear their music every day 15 times on the radio, but they'll all want to go to the live performance. There's something different. There's always something about absolutely. One of the things I wanted to ask is that I'm not saying you're old. I'm not saying I'm old. Okay, I'm saying that I'm old. She would hit me if I could call her old. But it's interesting now that there's a younger generation. You, know, you don't want to see this drop off the map. So it's good seeing some youngsters who are picking up the mantle, if you will. And what do you think about that? I always worry about that. Are we doing enough to get the young people involved in this? We don't want it to die with us old boogers. We want it to 
find its life. In, in poetry, the only thing that really is necessary if you're a cowboy and you write poetry is that you get it heard. Now, somebody from the city that writes cowboy poetry, they've got to kind of prove themselves, and they've got to do some studying on how do you phrase this? What kind of a story do, would this really happen? When you get a cowboy telling a story, it doesn't matter if he's just talking about tying his tennis shoes on. There's something about a cowboy that uh, you can just find the dry overthought. When you have time like a cowboy does, you overthink things a lot. And sometimes that's good, and sometimes it isn't. And that was interesting. How we first got introduced was I don't know Russ Westwood. He's he's from Mesquite. He's our local cowboy poet. And it was when I very first interviewed him, and he was talking about that you know, they're on the trail. They'd stop at night. They needed to entertain each other. And of course, we have the concept of that because I guess we can go camp here and there and we don't have a cell service, but not very often. It was interesting how this is how they entertained each other and then it grew. Well, the movies are always going to make the cowboy have a guitar and sing pretty songs. That's just not the way it was. I, I buckarooed for 26 years. Two guys in all that time had a guitar. One I never heard because a bunch of guys said they'd kill him if he ever got him out there. <laughs> <laughs> and the other fellow only knew Bob, 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 Baran. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. But lots of lots of just good stories uh, talking about real life. They were on this this outfit, and this fellow happened to do this, you know, and it just just entertaining as can be. Yeah, there's always a story. Always. The now story. talk about embellishing. Are any of Wadi's stories, no, have I, they grown? I, I don't really embellish anything. I just flat out lie. <laughs> 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 you know, they said it's okay for the, for the sake of a good story. You can do that. It's a story. Yes, you can do that. Wadi, if my granddaughter listens to this, she's not going to know what you meant when you said you buckarooed. Would you like to tell her what you did? A buckaroo hires on a big outfit and they are hired hands, the cowboys. Mm -hmm. Generally never have to do anything like fix fence or work on, you know, windmills or so much of that stuff, feed hay. They are hired men on horseback. And if oh. you have a big outfit uh, like the Circle A was for, for an instant, we turned out 25,000 mother cows on that Waihe Desert. And uh, it was a pretty small place. It was just a little over 1,000 square miles. We were a horseback every day. We branded the cattle. We moved the bulls around. We, you know, it was just stewarding the animals. And then again, for a cowboy, the big deal was horses. I didn't hire on because I like cows. I don't like cows. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I do love horses, and that's where I got to spend my life. It was there. And, you know, those, those horses, I thought when we started this deal, that were, I was teaching them something. And it wasn't very long into my career when I realized I wasn't teaching them, they're teaching me. That's what a buckaroo does. He's a, sure enough, full-time cowboy. And the reason we call it buckaroo in this country is because of the tradition of the Californio that came up this way to the Great Basin. And 
they brought with them the traditions of the Californios, which were the vaqueros. Vaqueros. See, vaca is a cow. Okay. And uh, the vaqueros were cowboys. And so, of course, we as Americans, like everything else, just changed it to suit us, you know. <laughs> so, buckaroo. Okay, thank you. That's a great explanation. I can see how that life would be really exciting for a young man. Uh, it, it really was. Mm -hmm. It really was. Not for everybody. We found that very few that were in the lifestyle of the buckaroo uh, didn't think the same, didn't appreciate the horse, didn't appreciate the big country, sometimes the solitude. Uh, the lifestyle just drew us in, and we didn't need anything. Of course, this was before cell phones, and it was before uh, even gooseneck trailers. So there was a lot of trotting, big circles. When, when I say circles, that's a day's work. You start a camp, you go do whatever you're doing, and then as you get back in, we call that a circle. And so you make your circles, and, and you do your, your darndest, to keep up with the rest of the guys, do your part. It was just, it was unspoken, but people did not appreciate somebody that didn't step up and just do their part. So it was a good way, good way to, to uh, work, good way to live, mm -hmm. and now it's a good way to remember. <laughs> yeah. a, a word comes to mind, it's pride. Very much so, yeah. very much so. There's nothing driving the pride but you yourself. Well, competition maybe because you got to keep up with the group. Well, yeah, competition was always there, but it generally in a in a fun manner. Uh, Brandon calves, you'd see who could drag more calves than the rest of the guys uh, with their roping. That means the more proficient you are at doing your job, like roping, the uh, more fun it is to contest it. Yeah. So there was a definite skill set there. Oh, it's a, it's a lifelong skill set. Yep. It really is. It's, uh, it doesn't take a brilliant guy with a lot of skill to get like in the trail driving days. They didn't have to hire real good cowboys because it's not very complicated to get behind a cow and point her which way you want to go and stay behind her. But yes, when you're, when you're out there stewarding them, not for just to get from A to B, but take care of their calves, make sure that they've got everything they need, put out salt and, you know, keep your fences up to where, of course, out there, <laughs> very seldom run into a fence, but still you just you just take care of everything. And if you're trotting home, you go over that next ridge and see how the water's doing. Yeah, there's a there's a pride in doing your job. I was just going to say, we laughed so hard at a few of your poems today, especially, I love the pig one. Do you have time to recite a, a poem for us? Would you I'll be willing you, to do that? I'll do you a little uh, shorter one. Okay. Out on the cliff's edge, further than he'd ever been before, he sat with legs a-dangling high above the valley's floor. He was lost in thought while drinking in the grandeur of it all when a gust of wind unseated him and he began to fall. It's a drastic situation. He didn't dare think slow for certain death awaited in those rocky crags below. So he called upon a friend. I guess the only one he could, the one we all forget about when things are going good. 
He said, God, if you help me now, I'll quit my sinful ways. I'll do the things you'd have me do. I'll work hard all my days. I'll quit the booze and cigarettes. I'll help my loving wife. I'll spend time with my children. I'll turn around my life. I'll work to help the needy. I promise to repent. Just then, a tree limb caught his coat and stopped his fast descent. And while hanging from that tree that grew out on that rocky shelf, he looked skyward saying, Never mind, I handled it myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) Well, Wadi, it was such an honor for us and a privilege to be able to interview you today and have you as a guest on our podcast. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for being here and thank you for spreading the word. Pretty good, Linda, huh? Oh, he was fantastic, wasn't he, Steve? So now we're going to pack up all of her stuff, and we are going to run over to the Elko Convention Center, and we're going to go to Poetry Open Mic 3. That's at 3 to 4 p.m. We're not exactly sure who we're going to see there, but we'll see who we can grab for interviews. Sounds exciting. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, where all accompanying images and links are available on the Art Box page. Questions, comments, opinions, and concerns can be sent to artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Virgin Valley Artists Association.